last time on Vancouver Dreadfuls. In 1975, Mary Steinhauser was among 14 other hostages captured by violent inmates Dwight Lucas, Claire Wilson, and the ringleader, Andy Bruce. Steinhauser volunteered to be the primary hostage held at Knife Point by Bruce. After 41 hours, prison guards rushed into the room. Steinhauser was the only one who died from the altercation. In the second part of Mary Steinhauser's story, we'll look at the day of the riot and bloody aftermath. It's time for another dreadful story of Vancouver's dark history. This is the tale of the courageous and tragic death of Mary Steinhauser. Vancouver Dreadfuls is a podcast about the dark, odd, and horrifying criminal history of Vancouver. Listener discretion is advised. Gruesome content detailed ahead. This is Vancouver Dreadfuls. People who have interacted with Bruce inside of a prison cell would call him one of the most charismatic and feared individuals inside the penitentiary. He forged a friendship with Dwight Lucas because of their non-white background, Bruce being First Nations and Dwight Black. Often worked together in the canvas shop and both spent time in Saskatchewan Penitentiary. For Bruce and Wilson, they bonded over the poor conditions of solitary and the mistreatment they received from the guards. All three were sentenced to long prison terms, spent a lot of time in solitary, and desperate. Bruce was the secretary of the community awareness group that worked with classification officers. From May to June 8th, Bruce visited the classification office 23 times. Lucas and Wilson were also seen inside. Inmates reported to classification officers and prison guards that Bruce was measuring the offices and forging documents, but these tips weren't investigated. On June 9th, a relatively new correctional officer acted as a security for the classification offices. His duties were to check passes of inmates coming into the building and search them. He didn't believe his job was to actually search the inmates. The officer, seeing the forged passes, let Bruce, Lucas, and Wilson in without searching, allowing them to sneak their knives in with blades ranging from 7 to 14 inches in length. Once inside the office, they circled an officer alone at his desk and took him hostage. They went around the offices threatening to kill the officer they have subdued if the other officers didn't comply. They all complied. The three men prodded the officers with their knives, herding them towards a vault. There were 16 hostages, including Steinhauser. Bruce, Lucas, and Wilson robbed all the officers of their belongings and forced them inside the vault, locking them. Once word got out about the hostage taking, Bruce went inside the vault and asked for a volunteer. Without hesitation and a courageous act, not wanting to see other people suffer, Steinhauser volunteered. Bruce walked out of the vault with Steinhauser, one arm wrapped around her waist and the other holding a knife to her throat. Lucas and Wilson remained inside the vault, looking after the other 15 hostages. Steinhauser seated on a chair with Bruce immediately behind her with a knife to her throat. Two penitentiary guards maintained position outside the room. Here's the best description I can come up with in the room. The vault, which was used more for equipment storage, is where most of the hostages were kept. Lucas and Wilson watched over them. The vault was located inside a large room where Bruce was holding Steinhauser in, always keeping her close just in case guards rushed in. Two guards positioned outside the room where Bruce and Steinhauser are. 
The door the two cars are behind is a double dutch door. Most of the time, the top part was open, but bottom part was closed. The guards can see inside the room, and the vault if the vault door is open. The guards would attempt to non-verbally communicate with the hostages when the inmates weren't looking, using sign language and mouthing words. Bruce made the following demands at the start of the hostage situation. A helicopter to fly them to an airport where they would take a plane and leave the country. A team of negotiators to be brought to the scene. A newspaper journalist named Bob Hunter. Photographer, couple of lawyers, radio journalists, and an executive member of the Marxist-Linist party. Drugs, specifically Dermol. It's like morphine. Restraint equipment for the hostages. According to unofficial sources, Bruce also made the following demands that weren't captured in the official inquiry. Hot water in solitary, yard privileges for those in solitary. Within the hour, two of Bruce's demands were partially met. All negotiators agreed to help except for Bob Hunter, who couldn't make it, and an executive member of the Marxist-Linist party troubles contacting them. The guards were also on the way to deliver Dermarol. The administration denied the helicopter and restraints request. A prison guard with a vial of Dermarol offered Bruce the following options to receive the drug. The officer can administer the drug to Bruce. The officer can give Bruce a syringe with the drug so he can administer it himself. The administration would not give Bruce the full vial. Bruce lost his shit. He grabbed Steinhauser by the chin, lifting her head up. He mimed the motion of cutting her throat in front of the officer with the knife in his hand. The administration decided it was best to give the inmates the full vial of the drug, along with the two syringes. The inmates didn't blindly trust the guards with the drugs. They administered it to Steinhauser first, to make sure they weren't giving any unexpected side effects. After a period of time, if Steinhauser didn't die or show any side effects, Bruce, Lucas, and Wilson would use it on themselves. They would do this every time the drugs were requested. Over the course of 41 hours, the administration would give the inmates 1,600 milliliters of Nolodar, over 900 milligrams of Dermarol, 40 milligrams of Librium. Early in the hostage situation, Bruce requested more drugs. The prison was out of Dermarol. The physician sent him some Hadol in the meantime. Bruce administered it to Steinhauser, and when nothing happened, Bruce accused the institution physician of giving him Fraser River water in a syringe. At 12.30 p.m., five hours into the hostage situation, Bruce released their first hostage. One of the classification officers convinced Bruce he had to take heart medication, or he can die. Bruce, not wanting a death he wasn't explicitly responsible for, allowed him to leave. The situation with Bruce and Steinhauser was tense, but inside the vault with Lucas, Wilson, and 14 other hostages, it was terrifying. Lucas and Wilson enjoyed terrorizing the hostages. They saw it as retribution for the mistreatment they endured in solitary confinement. A short list of what they've done. Lucas and Wilson referred to the hostages as pigs. Lucas and Wilson talked about killing all the hostages every time it seemed like the guards would make a move against them. The pair will openly talk about how they would ideally kill each hostage members. Some method mentioned were by gun and burning them alive. They smashed glasses of those who wore them, and Lucas cut the beard off one hostage with a pair of scissors he had. Lucas would focus his attention on a certain classification officer who he believed mistreated him. Throughout the course of 41 hours, he would pour a topical antiseptic on his head, cut buttons off his shirt with a knife, 
threatened to cut his fingers off, put a knife to his throat, and threatened to cut off his eyelids. Lucas would repeatedly kick him at random times and informed other hostages they don't need to worry about dying first because the officer Lucas had been torturing would be first to go. Wilson was just as bad. He targeted a female officer and forced her into making out. He kept her nearby, touching her throughout the ordeal. Like Steinhauser, he would administer drugs to her throughout the 41 hours. Spoilers. At the time of the breakout, Wilson was on the floor asleep cuddling her. For the sake of brevity, the negotiating team was pretty much ineffective. Things they discussed. The helicopter Bruce, Lucas, and Wilson would use to escape. The inmates admitted they didn't have a destination in mind except for outside of Canada. Bruce ranting about how crooked the justice system is and how he would rather leave on a slab than go out in solitary confinement. Delivery of more drugs, especially Nolodar, which they used to keep hostages docile. Portable toilet to be brought in. A television and radio to keep them entertained. Food, sandwiches, and soft drinks. Telephone calls for the hostages to their families so they can organize clean clothes for delivery. No major notes occurred between Monday night to Tuesday morning. The next significant event would happen on Tuesday night at 10.30 p.m. Lucas complained about having a low abdominal pain and asked for a physician to be brought in. Officials refused Lucas's initial demands. They made a compromise. Lucas would go into the hallway and Bruce and Wilson would hold members of the negotiating team as hostages. The institution physician found nothing wrong, and then they released the negotiators upon Lucas's return. The doctor ended up prescribing Lucas some kidney infection pills just in case, but Bruce refused the pills. It's been nearly 41 hours since the hostage situation started. The hostages have been held at knife point, tortured, and believe they will be killed. While it may seem like nothing has been happening, the hostages and prison guards have been coordinating a plan. The following is a summary from the official inquiry. I will break down and introduce alternative accounts of what happened later. 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday evening, an hour before Lucas went to see the physician for abdominal pains, one hostage was outside the vault repairing a broken television. While the hostage was under watch by Lucas, the guard stationed outside the room could non-verbally communicate with the hostage through sign language and mouthing of words. The hostage communicated the group was going to overthrow Lucas and Wilson at the vault at 11 p.m. The guard communicated the conversation to the regional director. The regional director immediately thought this was a bad idea. The guard went back and asked Bruce if he can deliver a message to the hostage from his wife. Bruce allowed it. The guard proceeded to give a coded message to the hostage. With reference to an earlier telephone call you had regarding a possible TV broadcast by your wife at 11 p.m., this has been canceled. The hostage acknowledged the message, and the guard believed he understood the message, but the hostage did not actually understand the message. When he returned to the vault, he said that his wife was going to be on the news, but it got canceled. From the perspective of the hostages, the assault was still a go. Nothing happened at 11 p.m. The hostages believed the guards would rush in, giving them an opening to attack Lucas and Wilson. After an hour, the hostages thought maybe the guards were waiting on them to attack. They devised a plan. Grab a middle tripod from the shelf in the vault. One hostage opens the vault door. The other person with the tripod smashes Lucas on the back of the head, knocking him out. Hostage would attack Bruce 
giving the guards an opportunity to rush in and subdue him. The rest of the hostages will attack Wilson, who is still sleeping. 1 a.m. Wilson is still asleep with the female hostage he's been abusing. Lucas is outside the vault, and Bruce was showing signs of sleep deprivation outside. The hostages made their move, following their plan. The plan went wrong when the hostage with the tripod failed to knock out Lucas. Three hits to the back of the head, and Lucas was still up. Lucas and Bruce attacked the hostage with their knives, slashing him. The hostage retreated into the vault, and with help from other hostages, closed the vault before Lucas and Bruce entered. The hostage only suffered minor slash wounds. Luckily, the hostages subdued Wilson before the plan went totally wrong. This left Steinhauser outside alone with Bruce and Lucas. Officially, the inquiry stated the falling happened after the hostages locked themselves into the vault. Prison guards rushed the room, shooting eight shots. Annie Bruce was shot twice in the jaw. Mary Steinhauser was shot twice, a bullet through her shoulder and another pierced her heart and lung. That's it. Case closed. The time between the prison guards rushing into the room and gaining control of the situation is up for debate. There is the official inquiry, but there are also different versions as well shared across media, books, and legal proceedings. Version 1. The guards barreled down the hallways with their guns drawn. During the chaos of subduing Bruce and Lucas, a guard yelled, Killer! Killer! referring to Steinhauser. Albert Hollinger, a prison guard, pointed a gun at Mary Steinhauser, who was no longer in danger, and fired twice. After the raid, Hollinger had the guns removed from the room and cleaned. Evidence that would support this theory. A paramedic who was listening with the other guards heard someone yell, Killer! Killer! which was corroborated with Bruce during the official investigation. Bruce said he saw Hollinger kill Steinhauser, and he did it because Hollinger hated him and Mary with a passion. Spent cartridges went missing for a week. Between guns being cleaned and missing ammo, it was impossible to tell which gun or who fired the bullets that killed Steinhauser. Version 2 The guards barreled down the hallway with their guns drawn. Bruce used Steinhauser as a body shield, and she was an unfortunate casualty during the breakout. The removal of weapons after the raid was to ensure none of the inmates could obtain a firearm. The state of the inmates during the time was Wilson tied up in a vault. Bruce shot twice in the jaw on the floor, bleeding. Lucas held down by officers. Shortly after the hostage incident, rumors circulated about a romance between Bruce and Steinhauser. This was most likely done to help divert attention away from Hollinger and any moves he may have had to kill her. Steinhauser frequently gave Bruce lots of attention, even though they're not assigned to each other as patient and nurse. A picture surfaced of Steinhauser in Bruce's arms. Note, the only evidence I could find of this picture, which shows of them standing side by side, is at an official prison function. Bruce had made offhand comments about his relationship with Steinhauser to other inmates. Steinhauser's sister, was asked outright if she was an inmate groupie. She froze, not sure how to answer. Later, she would deny it. I hate to burst people's bubble, but the theory is bullshit. Mary Steinhauser did not like Andy Bruce romantically. In fact, she feared him. Three days earlier, before the hostage situation, Steinhauser shared with a male friend about quitting the penitentiary due to him. She even joked about the possibility of being held hostage by Bruce. In 1976, 
a jury ruled the shooting was not intentional and the guards, including Hollinger, acted under the belief Steinhauser's life was in danger. The British Columbia Penitentiary enacted several enforcement changes because of the incident. The penitentiary was shut down in 1980. Albert Hollinger continued to be a prison guard until he retired in 1986. In his later years, he created a foundation focusing on creating educational spaces for nursing staff across Delta Hospital. He passed away in 2015 at 82. Margaret Steinhauser recently wrote a book about her sister called Between Blade and Bullet. Annie Bruce was granted full parole in 2010. In November 2016, Bruce was arrested again for masturbating at a bus stop on Broadway and Kingsway. When police approached Bruce, he threatened them with pepper spray. We don't know what became of Dwight Lucas and Claire Wilson. Mary Steinhauser was an incredibly brave woman. This story has been adapted a few times already in different mediums. The play, One Tiger to a Hill by Sharon Pollock. The film, Walls by Christian Breer. Another play, Brave, The Mary Steinhauser Legacy. Mary Steinhauser deserved better. The ordeal she was put through is a straight out of a horror movie. Abducted, drugged, and murdered. Only for her name to be slandered by her employers to save face of a having a sloppy workshop. Steinhauser was a kind soul, and I don't believe she actually had a romantic interest with Bruce or helped them escape. I think her death was tragic and a freak accident. I don't think she was gunned down by Hollinger with that intent. Thank you for listening. Did you enjoy this dreadful? The Vancouver Dreadfuls team needs your support to keep this going, and there are many ways to help out. Send your feedback and comments to vancouverdreadfuls at gmail.com. Follow our social media pages at Vancouver Dreadfuls Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram at Vancouver Dreadfuls, and subscribe to our Spotify and YouTube channels at Vancouver Dreadfuls. Lastly, we're running a Kickstarter for season two. Please check it out if you want more dreadful tales. Today's episode has been hosted by Christopher Glant. Audio recorded and post-produced by Rodrigo Robinet. Social media is managed by Sandra Reaño. Animation and motion graphics by Nathan Moran. And art created by Nixon.